The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father God, only you know the motives of our heart. Father, only you are worthy to be worshipped, to be praised, to be adored. Father, we thank you today, especially Resurrection Sunday, as we do each week, Father, but today with a special focus on the resurrection, that Jesus came as a man and walked on earth as a man, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he gave his life willingly on the cross as our substitute or that we could be made right with you. God, thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection. God, I pray this morning that we would worship you with our hearts, that we would remember the great sacrifice and the great hope through the resurrection that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Good morning. Happy Easter. It's great to see everybody here. Granger, I can't believe you lost it. Those half of you aren't here when we kick the service off, but when we kick the service off. But as Granger's kicking the service off, he's totally stumbling over his words, and he just said, okay, stop, I'm totally messed up. This is what you get at Norris Ferry. We're real. We're authentic. It's, uh, it's been an awesome Sunday morning. As, we, as he said, we had a great service at 730. Uh, it's always such a beautiful scene at, at Southern Trace on number eight at the lake. Uh, you're always welcome to come to the service, and then we have the early service 
and then this service. And so uh, hey. <laughs> it's just right. not your day, bro. It's all good. But, uh, you know, we talk about the resurrection on Easter. But as I was thinking about it this Sunday or this week, uh, the resurrection is the crux of the Christian faith. Uh, if, if the resurrection wasn't true, then everything that we stand for is, is a joke. Uh, in fact, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, said that if the resurrection didn't happen, we're still dead in our sins, and everything that we're talking about, our faith is in vain. And so, we really, it's a very important day, and, and what I want to challenge you to do today is what I got the challenge from the text, is to be honest about your doubts, be honest about any fears you have, be honest about any hesitations you have, because that's what really Matthew's focus on the resurrection seems to be focused on. We've been studying the book of Matthew as we typically do. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, there are five different discourses or five uh, teaching moments of Jesus. The most famous one is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's when Jesus uh, sat down on the mountainside and he had his disciples sitting at his feet and he's teaching them all about what does it mean to be a disciple, the nature of his kingdom. Because in, in reality, when he came and said the kingdom is here, it was not what they were expecting. They were expecting someone like King David who was going to reign, have a kind of a political reign and rule over uh, the nation. But he came first as a suffering servant, uh, as Isaiah had prophesied, that he would come, he would suffer for sins, but that he would rise from the grave. And then when he comes back the second time, that's when he's going to establish his authoritative reign. And so Matthew, in in the discourses, uh, talks about the kingdom of God. And what we see today is the very last chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, Uh, We're going to look at the resurrection accounts in that chapter. And what we see is Matthew is paying. There's a lot of people in these different scenes in Passion Week where Jesus goes to the cross, he's buried, and then he rises from the grave. But Matthew pays particular attention to two women in all the scenes. Like if you read in chapter 27 at the crucifix scene, he mentions Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now, I did some research of comparing all the Gospels and the different accounts. There's a lot of Marys going on in these passages. And I was trying to make sure I understood which Marys we were dealing with. One is Mary Magdalene. And I'm pretty sure, about 99.9% sure, the other Mary is Jesus' mom. Mother, the mother Mary. Mary, Jesus' mother. And so, G- Matthew is particularly interested in these Marys at these scenes. He mentions them at the crucifixion scene. He mentions them at the burial scene where he says they were sitting and watching from a distance. And then he's going to mention them in the resurrection scene. Today, we're going to have our own resurrection encounter as we look at three resurrection encounters that are recorded in chapter 28 of Matthew. Now, just so we don't get lost in the story, let me just kind of tell you the three encounters. The first encounter is the two Marys who run up to the tomb and the angel of the Lord is there. And so that's our first resurrection encounter that we're going to look at. The second resurrection encounter comes when the angel of the Lord sends them and says, go to Galilee and tell, tell Jesus' disciples that he has risen from the grave. And so those two women are running to Galilee and Jesus meets them on their, on their way. And so that's the second encounter where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, meets with these two women. The third encounter is in Galilee where Jesus meets with his 11 disciples. And it's 11 now because Judas, one of the disciples, has by this time betrayed Jesus. And Jesus has been crucified and rose from the grave. So we're going to look at these 
at these accounts, but the way we're going to do it is look at the, the outline is going to be made up of these three commands that we see in each one of these encounters. In all three encounters, we see something in common and the pattern develops. It's first of all, do not be afraid. That's what Jesus says or the angel of the Lord says. In each one encounter, we see there's a lot of fear involved and the, the response is do not be afraid. And then the second thing we see in each one of these encounters is come and see. And then finally, what we see is, now go and tell. And this becomes a pattern that we see in these accounts, these resurrection encounters. And I I hope that we put our feet in their sandals, if you will. Maybe in their high heels, these two ladies. And men, we put our feet in in the sandals of these disciples. Have our own encounter with Jesus and learn from their encounters that was preserved for us in scriptures. Father, would you help us this morning as we... As we study your text, as we are reminded of what happened that day that you rose from the grave, a day uh, not unlike today where it was after the Sabbath, uh, the the sun was rising and the the Sunday morning, and they are coming to the grave to discover that you have risen from the grave just as you said. Lord, I pray that your spirit will move in us, that you will teach us, that you will impact us, and that you will change us and that we'll leave here different than when we came. I pray this by the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's look at these three encounters and we'll do it first of all. Do not be afraid. Come and see, go and tell. So do not be afraid. Look down in verse five. The ladies have come. They've seen the earthquake or they felt the earthquake. They see this angel of the Lord. He's sitting up on the rock that he rolled off. I think it's funny. He just rolled the rock and then he's like, let me just kick a seat here on the, on the rock, and he's bright, light, lightning, white as snow, and the, the ladies see him, and he says, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. So the first thing we see is the ladies were afraid. Now we wonder, why were they afraid? What, would, what did they have to be afraid of? Well, as I thought about this, first of all, I thought about persecution. I mean, this is a season where Anyone following Jesus was afraid. We see in the Gospel of John, the disciples were locked behind locked doors for fear of the Jews persecuting them. Uh, these ladies are probably afraid because there's just a spirit of fear around them. This was, not a, 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 this was a very hostile environment for anyone who claimed to follow Jesus. And these ladies surely knew that they were in the public. They were known as someone following Jesus. And here they are boldly risking their own life to come to the tomb to see Jesus despite all the fear of persecution. Perhaps they were afraid for the earthquake. I mean, an earthquake just happened. That definitely in itself will, will strike fear in a person's heart. Perhaps they're afraid because they're seeing a, an angel. An angel of the Lord is, is described as lightning, bright light lightning and white as snow and sitting on top of the stone. And certainly that's reason for them to have fears. But as the text unfolds, we see the real issue that seems to be at the heart of their fear is Is Jesus alive or not? And what they see as they look in, they see the stones rolled away. They see an empty tomb. So perhaps they're afraid that someone had stolen his body. Because all throughout the scriptures, it's interesting, Jesus was very clear. He constantly was telling his followers, I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life for your sins. And I'm going to come back to life. But it, it seems that people just didn't grasp that. 
And it wasn't until after the resurrection that as they saw him resurrected from the grave that they started realizing it and believing it. And so perhaps they just thought someone had snatched his body. And so in that case, their fear would be of filled with doubts and, and uncertainty. Maybe I've been played a fool or maybe has, someone has taken his body. And so maybe that's the way you are today. Today you come to, to celebrate Easter, but I know there's all types of fears that, that we encounter. Maybe it's fear of persecution for being a follower of Christ or, or fear of, of doubts of being played a fool for believing that a man who claimed to be Jesus claimed to be God, the son of God, died, buried, rose again. Really, could his life really offer eternal life and forgiveness? And and maybe you have doubts. But I know all of us bring our own fears and our own doubts and our own concerns. And, And that's what we see in this text. Everyone who met Jesus and had an encounter at the resurrection had their own fears. We see it in the second encounter. Look at verse 9. This again is the ladies are running to Galilee to tell the disciples about the resurrection. They encountered Jesus. Behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up. Look what they did when they see the encounter, they encounter the resurrected Jesus. They came up, took hold of his feet, and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Again, we can only imagine the nature of the fear, but here it seems to be more of a sense of awe, a fear of God in this healthy sense of an awe of God. He's alive, and it, their response is the only natural response that anyone has when they encounter the resurrected Savior is to fall humbly to their knees and to worship at his feet. So we see in the second encounter, they had fear. In the third encounter, we see a different form of fear. Look at verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So in this case, the word fear is not used, but they are said to have been doubting. And what is doubt? Doubt is the fear of being wrong or the fear of being foolish, the fear of finding out that I banked my eternity on on a lie. In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who said, if you consider Jesus, you have to consider what he said. You can't just think Jesus is a a good teacher and and an example to be followed because you've got to think about what he said. Jesus said, I'm God in flesh I'll die and offer forgiveness for sins, but I'll come back to life from the dead. And C.S. Lewis famously said, so he is either Lord, the Son of God who forgives sins and therefore we worship him as Lord, or he's a lunatic. He he, he thinks he's God and he thinks he's going to raise from the grave, but he's out of his mind because he's not. So he's either Lord, he's a lunatic, or he's a liar. Because he knows he's not God. He knows he's not going to raise from the grave, but he's lying to everyone. And so really, we all are countering the Lord Jesus Christ today, and we're all having to answer that same question. Who is Jesus? Is he your Lord? Or is he a lunatic? Or is he a liar? Based on what he claimed, you can't just consider him a good example, or a wise teacher. Because his claims were so amazing, so ridiculous, 
that we are forced to encounter him and forced to decide. And what I want to say to you is as you start to decide, I want you to know it's very normal to have fears. It's very natural to to have doubts. As I think about why we have fears and doubts, I, I thought about this week, I think there's two main reasons. The first reason is, that's a big claim. <laughs> this doesn't happen every day. In fact, it's never happened before. The scripture says that Jesus brought some people from the dead, but they went back to the grave. Jesus is the only one who claimed to be the son of God, to give his life as ransom for sin, and to come back to life from the grave, never to die, but to ascend to the Father and come back and establish his kingdom on earth. So that one reason it's hard to believe, one reason we're filled with doubts is because those are some amazing claims. Those are some things that need investigating. That if you find yourself, I'm just not so sure about this. I think I need to do a little investigating. I want to encourage you to embrace the fear, embrace the doubts, embrace the concerns, lean into them. Do your homework. Do, the, the claims are so significant. The eternal, the consequences are so eternal that, that you must investigate these claims. You can't just go through the motions and, and, and just play church and play religion and play Easter. These are crazy claims that either he is Lord or he's lunatic or liar. So, so the one reason many of us have doubts, which is very natural, is because these are amazing, heavy claims. But another reason... Too many times that we, that we have doubts and concerns is because we don't want to know the answer because we don't want to submit to him if he's Lord. That's why a lot of times we don't press in and investigate it because instinctively we know if he is God, then I have to do what I see people doing when they come and have an encounter with the resurrected Savior, they hit their knees, they humble themselves, and they grab his feet in worship. I want to say, don't be afraid to lean in. Don't be afraid to, to investigate. Don't be afraid to face any doubts or concerns that, that there is no better posture. There is no better place in life to be than to be kneeling at the feet of Jesus discovering the fullness of Jesus as your Savior and Lord. So perhaps you're feeling your heart beat a little faster right now because for the first time you're thinking, really, should I, should I lean in and investigate Jesus? Perhaps the Lord is giving you a surprising amount of, just a small amount of faith to say, well, maybe I, I will investigate the claims of Christ. We've got... Just a few books left. They're free. They're out here called The Case for Easter. Lee Strobel wrote, uh, Lee Strobel was a, a, a journalist, a very award-winning, respected journalist who was a skeptic who thought his wife was a fool for, for believing the resurrection and believing in Jesus. And so he began a journey of investigating using his top-notch journalistic skills. And he says, well, I'll investigate it. I'll go wherever the evidence leads me. And assuming that it would lead him down a path to say this is all ridiculous, that Jesus was either a liar or a lunatic, he found himself, strangely enough, believing in the truth that Jesus is God. So as you consider investigating, 
read the book Case for Easter. Get the book Case for Christ. Rent the movie. Go home and rent the movie Case for Christ. It's, it's well done. But more importantly, open your Bible and start reading the scriptures and, and start with the Gospel of John and just start reading and, and ask God, God, you tell me that come and see. Well, I want to see. I want to know. And read the Bible for yourself and see if the Lord doesn't meet you like he meets everyone we read about in these encounters. But lean in. Lean in. And he says, come and see. And notice in verse 6, now we see come and see in all three encounters. In verse 6, he says, he is, the angel says, he is not here for he has risen. As he said, just as he said, he has risen. Come and see the place where he lay. And so in this case, Jesus is telling, or the angel of the Lord is telling the two Marys, come and see, consider the evidence. He's inviting them to come into the tomb and, and look where Jesus lay. And the conclusion you will come to as you consider the evidence is that he has risen just as he said he would. Because we see all throughout the scriptures in Matthew 16, 21, it's told, we, we are told that from that time Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and to be killed and on the third day to be raised. In chapter 17, 23, he says, I will be raised again. In chapter 20, 18 and 19, I will be raised from the dead. Jesus made no mistake about it. Jesus was crystal clear. I am going to die for sins and rise from the grave. In fact, when they were hanging him on the cross, they were mocking him. Oh, I thought you were going to rise from the grave. Why don't you save yourself? I thought you were king. I thought you were God. Why don't you do something? Everyone knew what he claimed. There was no mistaking. He thought he was God. He claimed to be God. He claimed to offer forgiveness of sins. He prophesied that he would die but rise again from the dead. Do you believe him? Is he Lord? Is he a lunatic? Or is he liar? Those are the only three valid options. And so the angel of the Lord invites these ladies, come, see, look where he lay. I love what D.A. Carson pointed out this week. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I've never thought of this before. He says about the stone being rolled away, he said, there is no implication that the earthquake had anything to do with releasing Jesus. The stone was rolled back, the seal was broken, and the soldiers made helpless not to let the risen Messiah escape but to let the first witnesses in. Have you ever thought about that? When he says the stone was rolled away, I kind of thought, well, that's good. Jesus got to get out. Well, that's just dumb. Jesus doesn't need the stone rolled away to get out. All right, he just did the biggest miracle of all. I think he could get out without the stone being moved. Why was the stone rolled away? So that the first eyewitnesses could go in and see he rose from the grave. You see, that's what Jesus does with our fears and our doubts, he says, I will do what it takes for you to come and see the truth of the claims. Jesus wants to reveal yourself, himself to you. He wants you to know. He wants to meet you where you are and deal with any doubts and concerns that we have. Maybe some of us are here today who have trusted Jesus a long time ago, but there's been a distance from him. There's been a, a, a distance because we've walked away from him in the sense that we've kind of gone our own way. We've stopped seeking him. We've stopped reading the word. We started living a life that we would know is, is not pleasing to him. And you come today because it's Easter and you're glad to be here, but there's a little sense of fear is what does Jesus think about me right now? Because all you can think about is the things that you've been doing that you're not proud of, and you wonder what God thinks about you. Let me tell you what God thinks about you. 
Paul tells us in Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are resting in Jesus' blood, what he did on the cross, if you're you're trusting that his blood cleanses you of all unrighteousness, then you being here today can be fear-free. You can be fearless to come into the presence of God. Because when God sees his people who have trusted in Christ, who are in Christ, when God sees them, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why he can call us saints. Because none of us live perfect lives. And so Jesus is saying to you, come, come and see. Don't be afraid to come. Don't be afraid to come see me. In the second encounter, we see that's exactly what happened with the ladies. The ladies are running from the, the tomb and they're running to Galilee to tell the disciples Jesus is alive and Jesus meets them on the way there. And what was their response? It's, we see in verse eight, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Now I love that. Just pause for a minute there. They were filled with fear at their first encounter. And now the angel of the Lord says, don't be afraid, go and tell. And so they're running to go and tell. And now they're a mixture of fear and great joy. And that's often the way it is in the Christian life. That we, there's one, one encounter in the scriptures where Jesus tells a man, go and your son will be healed. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that's often the way it is. We have fear mixed with joy and we have doubts mixed with faith. And, and Jesus meets us wherever we are. And he meets these women as they're fearfully but joyfully running to tell his disciples. And it says in verse 9, Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And what did they do when they saw the resurrected Jesus for the first time? They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped. That's what you do when you see the resurrected Jesus. And he said to them, Get away from me. You doubted me. He said, how dare you? How dare you come to me with your fears? I told you I was going to raise from the grave. And you come with all these fears? Get out of here. If I was God, I would say, you doubted me? Zap. Good thing I'm not God. I would abuse my power. God doesn't do that. What does God do? He blesses them and he says, don't be afraid. He meets them where they are. He receives them. He loves them. He's he's the father of grace. He's the father of forgiveness. He's the father of second, third, fourth, fifth, hundredth chances. But he says, all that's found in the resurrected Jesus Christ. Your hope must be only in Christ. Not in yourself, not in your doings, not in your deeds, not in your religion, but in Jesus And so he finds them, he meets them with their mixture of fear and joy, and he meets their fear and replaces it with faith. Do not be afraid. Perhaps that's where you are today, and you know Jesus says, listen, I know what you've been doing, I know where you've been, I know what you're feeling. He says, but listen, put your faith in Jesus. Don't be afraid. And he replaces fear with faith. Again, we see the same thing in the third encounter. The resurrection encounter with Jesus. His disciples are in Galilee, verse 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Some doubted, like Thomas. How would you like your name to be changed forevermore? Doubting Tracy, that's how you're known. Oh, that's awesome. Coming to the church. Hey, Pastor Doubting Tracy. We all know about your big doubting encounter. 
That's what everyone calls Thomas, doubting Thomas. So he had doubts. And what did he say in his pride? It says in verse uh, 7, in in chapter 20 of John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 27, uh, Thomas said, hey, listen, I'll never believe if until till I touch his scars. So how did Jesus respond to doubting Thomas? In chapter 20, verse 27 of John, it says this. Jesus said to Thomas, get out of my face, you loser. How dare you doubt me? I know what you said to all those guys, you prideful, arrogant jerk. Isn't that what he should have said? Isn't that what you and I think he would say to us when we fail him? When Peter denies him three times, right after he said, Jesus, I will never deny you. Right after that, he's by the fire and the women say, hey, weren't you with him? No, uh -uh, I don't know that dude. One, two, three times he denies him. What does Jesus do to Peter after he resurrects from the grave? He goes to Peter, he says, go tell the disciples, and Peter, tell Peter to come here. And he says, now you will be one of my key disciple makers. And he builds them back up. That's what Jesus does. What does he do to Thomas? He says, Thomas, put your finger right here. See my hands, see the scars? This is what you needed to see. I'm going to show you. Put your hands here. Place it on my side where the spear entered in. You said you wanted to touch the side. Well, here it is. That's what you need. I'll show you. Do not disbelieve. And what did Thomas say? He says what you can only do when you meet the resurrected Savior. My Lord, my God. That's what Jesus wants to do for you today. But you've got to lean in. You can't just ignore the doubts and the fears and the questions and concerns. You've got to lean in. You've got to say, Jesus, I want to see you. And he'll meet you where he needs to meet you. And he'll show himself to you so you can say, my Lord and my God. D.A. Carson summarizes it well. Jesus' resurrection, he says, was not an anticipated episode that required only enthusiasm and gullibility to win adherence among Jesus' followers. Far from it. They still were hesitant And their failure to understand his repeated predictions of his resurrection compounded with their despair after his crucifixion worked to maintain their hesitancy for some time before they came to full faith. Jesus' resurrection did not instantly transform men of little faith and faltering understanding into spiritual giants. It was a gradual process. It was a journey even for those who saw him in the resurrected flesh. Jesus wants to do the same thing for you, but you've got to lean in. You've got to investigate. Jesus showed himself to hundreds of people after he rose from the grave. Our faith is passed down to us from firsthand eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. It can handle your scrutiny. It can handle your examination. It can handle your, your questions. But you've got to ask the questions. Ask your friend who brought you here today, hey, tell me this. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this. And if they don't know the answer, they'll ask one of the pastors. And if one of the pastors don't know the answer, they'll ask Jerry Planchock. 
And so we will help you find the answers. It would be an honor. Jesus will meet you where you are. He will minister to your fears, to your doubts, to your concerns. But then he'll stand you up and put you on the path of your purpose. And that is go and tell. Look what he says in each encounter. Same thing each time. Verse 5, the first encounter with the angels. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. This is what happens in each encounter. He says, I know you got fears. Come and see. Let me address those fears. But now, go and tell, and I will be with you. I will go before you. He promises his presence in each encounter. In this case, the angel tells him, go tell the disciples and Jesus is going before you. Then in the second encounter, as they're running to Galilee and Jesus meets them on the road, what happens in verse eight again? So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. They ran to tell his disciples and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they, will see me. I think that's a powerful statement that as you go and tell, you will see Jesus. Your faith will grow. As you take steps of faith, he replaces fear with faith. As you discover your purpose, as you obey Jesus, who says, I will make you my disciples. As you do that, You start acting on what faith you have. Jesus starts to replace the fear with more faith. We see this in the third encounter, the Great Commission, as it's famously known in Matthew 28, verse 16 and following. He says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. That's what happens when you see Jesus. They worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see the pattern. We all have fears and doubts. We all have our own battles. Jesus says, come see me. Lean into me. Tell me what you're concerns are. Tell me your fears. Read the scriptures. Seek him. Embrace the investigation. Read case for Easter. Read case for Christ. Read the scriptures and pray, God, reveal yourself to me and he'll meet you where you are and he'll minister to your fears and doubts and concerns. And then he says, now get up. And I want you to experience the purpose for which I saved you. He saved you to send you. You've been saved to be sent to share the good news. And when you've met Jesus, it's not some canned mechanical presentation. It's just, you know, you've met the resurrected Lord who gives forgiveness and you share that with others. In your own personality, being who you are, telling your friends, teaching your children, talking about it at work. People know you believe in the resurrected Jesus. R.T. France 
says this. He says, all of the partial glimpses of Jesus' universal authority are brought together in this final comprehensive declaration. For the readers who have been reading Matthew, for the readers who have who has carefully followed the journey this far, the only appropriate response, listen to this, the only appropriate response is to join the 11 disciples in worship and obedience to the Lord of heaven and earth, to play one's own part in the proclamation of the good news of the kingdom of God to all the nations, and to revel in the assurance that despite the worst that the hostile world can offer, I am with you all the time until the end of the age. Praise God. We should revel in the resurrection. We should play our part in sharing the good news of the kingdom of God, offering life eternal, victory over death to everyone that we encounter. So where are you today? Is Jesus Lord He rose from the grave. You've got a mixture of fear and joy. Jesus says, keep worshiping me, keep obeying me, keep following me, and I'll replace your fears with faith. Wherever you are on that journey, I pray today is a great Easter for you. I pray that you lean in and get to know the resurrected Savior. Father God, we praise you for your goodness to us. We thank you for recording in the book of Matthew these encounters for us that we could have our own encounter with you this morning. Lord, everyone here has our own story, our own journey, our own experiences, our own fears, doubts, questions, and our own faith. I know by what I read in the text that you will meet each one of us where we are and reveal yourself to us, Lord. I pray that as we... Enjoy worshiping you in these closing songs. This will not be the end, but the beginning. The beginning of a journey of investigating, a journey of faith, a journey where we learn to know you in ways we've never known you before for our good, but most importantly, for your great glory, because you're worth it. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.